I'm Phil with Alpha Bow Hunting, and this is our new show, To The Point. Okay, we're back. Segment two, episode two, whatever you want to call it. Again, take number one, and it's only going to be take number one. But we were talking about hunting instinct and some of the experiences, some of the, some of the, you know, the top 10% or the top 1% or those kind of things. But, Bo, you started talking specifically more about this season is hot, it was early, but there's still some guys that are figuring out. Now, now continue with that thought. Yep. And then I'm going to throw another question out there to you guys. But go ahead and continue with what you thought, what you saw this year when, when you came back to work, the, the days between hunts, what you were hearing and what you were seeing. Yeah, so, you know, this year, yes, season was early. Uh, it was hot. Um, a couple of my experiences starting the season, uh, areas that I was normally finding animals, incredibly dry. Um, and you know what? I've, I've been back there on what I would consider dry years. I almost feel like it didn't compare. Yeah. Um, and that, with that fact, there was a lack of animals. Now, obviously, the terrain hadn't changed. the The animals themselves, you know, should have, in my opinion, been in that area, and they weren't. Now, myself personally, tried to evolve in that situation and and move to where I thought animals would be. Um, I know a lot of people out there that that on some years will struggle because they get into an area that they've consistently always found animals and they try to stick with that and ride or die by that spot um this year i had to bounce i had to get out of there and and, and Braden, you know Braden and i experienced that early we went up high we had mule deer hunting in a specific area a couple years ago we went to a different area and it was dry i mean i even remember when we were getting to the top of the last basin that we were going to set up camp and we found a little bit of water and we weren't sure if there was water and up above more so I loaded up all my bladder and my yeah. bottles and everything, yeah. and I and it. I mean, I didn't hike it but another half a mile, but I didn't know sure. because we were going yeah. into a new area. Mm-hmm. It was super dry. A lot of fires in Colorado this oh, year. Oh, terrible! Right, and in Braden, you know, when we're up there the day before the season, we're looking for deer. You know, you were pointing out, it's like, look how dry everything is up here. Right, right. Look how dry the grass is. Look how dry. I mean, there's no water. So yes, being able to evolve from those type of situations. Maybe adapt's a better word. Adapt, adapt sure, is, yeah, exactly. is, is critical to being successful. And and here's the other thing. I, myself, um, I'm not going to, I don't want to use this as an excuse. I just, my lifestyle with the multiple businesses that, I, that I'm in charge of running and, and the tournament side, I don't have the time to scout like I'd like to. I, I leaned on, and Braden got out a couple more times. I kept him busy this summer, too, so he didn't get out as much as he wanted to, but... I, I, I didn't do the scouting that I that I would like to have done, and it I think it, it hurt us in the end to some extent because we weren't finding the animals like we did a couple years I, I ago. I think that's like everybody. I don't think yeah. we ever spend enough time scouting. But you can you can yeah, say that as we want. And I was in there I was in there three additional times scouting, and I just I didn't see the animals that we've seen before. So in three different parts of parts of the area. So it, it's it's I, tough. I don't know. That's tough. But at the same time, it, from a confidence standpoint, we all talk about in the coaching, the, the pyramid structure and everything, where confidence is king in, in everything that you do archery-wise. Yeah. And if you lose your confidence somewhere along the way, whether it's because of the area, because of your equipment, because of anything, it hurts you and it handicaps you. Mm-hmm. So, um, Braden, what, you hunted. Obviously, you and I went out early. Yep. Uh, I missed on, on a deer that I think that we were probably – a minute away from killing a deer, potentially multiple deer, 
if we could have got into embedded, right? Before they were, the storm moved in, yeah. Yeah, that, so a storm moved in, and it's just it's just the way it goes. I I caught a deer as he was going off the, the bench that they were laying in. I took a shot and, and missed, and... Um, you know, then then weather rolled in, and it was it was just a, a rough rest of the time that we had. And then you moved on, and you started chasing elk. Yep, yep. What were you? I mean, what was your uh, what was your I guess take on on you know what you saw this season throughout as it progressed? You know, it, it, a lot. Obviously, the talk is is what the weather's every year. It's talk about what the weather's yeah, doing, whether right. it's dry, wet, whatever. What the heat's doing, what the elk mm-hmm. are doing. You know, and I've I've learned. To, to almost block that out because uh, again my toolbox the way I view my toolbox is, is those one percenters they don't, don't matter they don't matter you know what but, I mean you go find you go find the animal and you, and you get it done you know so I try that. not to, to think about that I actually had a really good elk season from the from the perspective the perspective of finding finding bulls finding good bulls big bulls and 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 working into different positions um Got into got an elk almost every time I was out, um, and then uh, made a made a critical mistake, made a made an, a, an epic epically critical mistake on the moment of truth, and, and hit a bull high and a big bull high, and uh, he's still still out there bugling. I think he's still alive. I know that. Yeah, and and hold that because I want again as we close out this initial segment, I want to talk a little bit more about some of our some of our hardships or trials or mistakes that we made this year. But on my side, like I said, Braden and I started hunting early together. We went up high. We were up 13-plus thousand feet in a couple areas, and it was dry. Yes, that, again, the, the, you almost, the season is what it is, right? You've you got to deal with it as yep, it yep. comes, whether it's early or late or the, it's hot or it's cold. Yep. You've got to still try to find animals and get into animals and try to take advantage of a good shot opportunity, of which is what we really focus on on the 3.0 series of our alpha alpha pyramid, I myself hunt both private and public land, right? And I and I'm I'm not going to ever be one that that shies away from that because I think that animals are animals. They don't know if they're on private or they're on public. In most cases, in some cases, it might be a little bit different, right? Depending upon hunting pressure, they know where the that's, pressure is. They're not. They just know where the pressure is. And, and that's it. But if, if they're getting hunted from people on private property and they're getting hunted from people on public. The pressure may be different, so yeah, maybe they end up on private a little bit more, but still, they're animals. You, they're not. You can't talk to them. You right. can't just you know, because they're they on don't private know doesn't mean you can are. walk up to they them. They don't need a sign. That's <laughs> it. Right? Sign. They don't know what fences are. They're, yeah. they're still doing animal things, and surviving is an animal thing. So. Uh, and and what I've what I've started to do is, I've started to utilize some small pieces of private, whether it's relationships, or property that that I've acquired and my family's acquired, or the people that I know to access public land that is harder for other people to access, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and do I hunt the private? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I focus on getting further back to where I know more people will not be because that's another thing that Brayden and I experienced this year was, the, I mean, we're up hiking into some of these basins and it is, it's not, it's, it's not an easy hunt or a hike. And there's a pack train of hikers coming in and out of these basins. Yeah, you know? man, a spot like that this year. So to think that Colorado is a very popular sport for recreation, hunting is one of those. So you're going to have to deal with other people. You're going to have to deal with those variables. Like you guys said, 
you can, I mean, we talk about it. We, we say how unfortunately this happened or that happened. But at the end of the day, it, those, are the, those are the curveballs that we're throwing yep, in the field. Yep. So you got to be able to it's deal with them. part of the game, right? Right. Um, and going back to the to where I've hunted, where I hunted this year, um, I was able to take a cow on private land with my son, of which one of those pieces that we access in public land, and a list B cow tag. And I tell you what, that experience with him it was exciting. That's cool. Be- because he all he wanted to see was dad shoot something. Yeah. And then once dad shot something. All he wanted to do was get his knife into it, right? <laughs> and and I let him, and I and I didn't. The things that I've taken for granted over the last few years, so many times you get an animal on the ground and you're in a hurry to break it down, get, get it cool, it cool. Yep. get it you know, get it hung, get it packed out, whatever the case Which is. Do right, and take care of that meat. Yeah, and 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 I was fortunate this time that it was it was in the afternoon. It was a little cool where the cow ended up dying, and I was able to take my time. Because he was asking a ton of questions. And enjoy the moment. And I was, because I sat there a couple times, and I just snapped a couple pictures of him, and even took some video of him, because he would be cutting something, and it was something that I knew. It's like, oh, yeah, you just cut here, you just move around, and you just continue. You take this this front shoulder, or whatever the case was. And I was explaining it to him as I went, and it, it took on a different meaning and a different focus this year because, because of him. And... So I was grateful for that experience. Bo, you're going to experience that hopefully soon. Braden, Braden's not there yet. Uh, but let's go ahead and to close out this. this I'll kill him and you guys can experience that part of it. <laughs> let's close out this topic of, of hunting. By, well, let's sum, sum it up, right? We Again, what we've been doing here with, with No Limits Arching Off of Bow Hunting, with the workshops and the coaching and everything, is really designed and focused to help, whether it's beginning bow hunters, intermediate experience we're trying to give you a little different perspective showcase some things that need to be considered eliminate variables and help you uh, the moment you step into the field hopefully have some of those questions that may come about already answered we cannot help you answer everything obviously right but some of those questions of you know should i be considering uh, a kneeling shot on on a bedded animal at xyz distance well we're going to help you measure yourself to show you how so that way you you have confidence going with that but um we will all agree that hunting institute is something that you develop in every day that you're in the field i I think it's it started you know from day one that you go in the field to to now to the present time and continues to develop all the time um and i know mine mine has developed quite a bit but I still have a long you know long way to go a lot of tools put in the toolbox and related to and our seasons are still all of us still have tags right yeah. all of us still yeah. are going to be out in the field some way shape or form for at least uh, potentially a month or two and, um, and and even getting into we'll talk on another episode about what we have going on still to come but let's go ahead and close out this this segment Bo tell me it, I'm going to give you the option here Okay. Either give me an experience that you learned from this year that you the the situation went well or bad, okay. or tell me something a piece of equipment that that actually um, you tried this year that you you know that you're really impressed with or something new or give give me something give me a tip give me something to to kind of sum up a, a, a something to help people out there from what you experienced this year. Um, for me personally, uh, let's say on the gear side of stuff, I didn't change anything crazy on my setup you changed um, your whole sleep system 
Oh, I did change my change sleep system. Change your whole sleep yeah. system. Dude, that's, thank we you. We talked about, about that. I didn't think about it. it. You know, I was thinking about my bow earlier. I'm the gearhead, man. I know what you got. So finish on the first thought, though. So, okay, first thought, yes. On my bow, we'll say specifically on the bow, arrow setup, stuff like that. I never, I didn't change anything drastic. Um, man, I've been using basically, granted the bow model may have changed, but sight-wise, quiver, rest, stuff like that's all stay the same because it's always worked. Now I know there's a lot of people out there that come into the shop here and new products are out. They want to see the latest and greatest stuff. Sometimes that can bite them in the butt. Uh, I, I stuck with what's always been consistent for me. It's what worked well. But most of what, I mean, and, and to just to finish off that topic, when you have a, a certain stabilizer setup or rest mm-hmm. setup, sure. most cases you're still shooting stuff that's very relevant, that's very popular, that's oh, very yeah. current. It's not like you've got a, a sight on oh, your phone yeah, that's seven, seven, eight years old. Seven, right? eight years old. Okay. No, absolutely not. I'm not still that there's a bad thing, no. but... But I'm sticking to this, something that, let's say technology-wise, that's been around and it's been proven. Right. Okay? You know, I... I I'll just spit out my sight. For example, I shoot a Black Old Descent Verdict. I've shot a Black Old Descent Verdict for five years. Sure. Um, or at least a driver style from Black Old. Um, I've tried Yeah, I've tried driver styles from the past, and they've always worked well. I've narrowed it down to the Black Old because it is dependable. Right. It's well built. It's incredibly bright. Um, and, you know, there's other driver style sights out there right now that I probably could have jumped to, to to try it out. Brand spanking new stuff. But you know what? It's worked. And it's been consistent for me. I am comfortable with its function, and I know exactly how to operate it at the moment of truth. Um, you know, and, and Phil, you, you've said it before. You, that moment of truth comes, your heart rate's up, your you know your coordination decreases, right? And that yeah, side, I can. Your fine motor skills definitely are I, diminished. I can run that site instantly, and, and after that, I go colorblind. Apparently, so <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that. That, that's good to know and important to consider is. Some people that want to change their gear every year, maybe not the best thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Be confident. Be trust your gear. Bring same type of question, right? Give us something to you from know what you experienced. Ro- rolling from that, and this this probably meshes well. Um, I changed a lot of stuff this year. I went to uh, from small house to black gold. Changed bows. Yeah. But I was I, I was very confident in my equipment going into the season. I was very comfortable with my, my equipment going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to my original story, quick story. By myself, called Boland at 18 yards. Thought I smoked him. Hit him high. He's still alive in the void. And it's very disappointing and that kind of thing. But we always have to learn from things, right? right. So I look back at the situation. And I'm like, okay, what what went wrong? Or what, what could I have fixed? Or what could have changed? Or what can I change next time so it doesn't happen? And I got to thinking, well, when I changed sights, I changed my color arrangement on my pins well mm. typically i'm red on top green well i had so on, so green on. on top red second not that i'm blaming this whatsoever but i think in the moment of truth it's a perfect example of what happens to your brain if yep. you let it go into that autopilot i put that red pin on him at 18 yards sent that arrow a little high well still should have killed him but he combination of him stepping down in a hole at the same time put it hot, way high in his back so that just goes to show that that and to add to that if you've ever seen me shooting here how often do i shoot at 20 yards no not very not, often. Well, honestly, and, and, and i yeah, preach honestly, it that's all that's all of us but, but, but I, pre- I preach it to other people and, and, and i will definitely start taking my own advice because i spent so much time shooting at 50 60 70 stretching 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 I didn't spend enough time with 
that new pin configuration yeah. that my brain just naturally went back, back to the old yeah. one. And I, and I think that contributed to, to, to that mistake. Well, and we all made plenty of mistakes this year. Trust me. And, and it's, it's one of those things that I, in all, our, in all our seminars and workshops, I've never tried to come off like, I know more than you or I know everything. It's let's learn from each other's experiences. Right. And we've tried to structure it so it's easy to look, for you to learn. Um, as far as myself, to, to, to give you something that I took from it, again, I, I, when I step into the woods, and even the first hunt of the year, I'll have to f- sit down and force myself to slow down, right? Because I'm, I'm, it's always go, go, go. I go here, go there, do this, do that. Never have enough time in the day. And I'll tell you that the pronghorn that I was able to shoot saw him the first day I hunted, yeah. Saw him a week or so later. I took my son out after school one day and, and got him out there. We got close again. Well, we yeah. saw him in the distance. Yeah. You I saw that him. buck. Yeah, I stalked that buck two days before you put an arrow in him. And when I got to... <laughs> but the thing is what we learned is when you start talking about animal behavior and you start focusing on patterning an animal yeah. and, and knowing that, we had tried decoys. And this is something that we all... We catered because we were hunting a similar area for, for prong Yeah. And you had told me... Put the decoy up, didn't work. Having it, right? It was not having it. So at that point, and I went in a couple days after Bo had, had gotten close to that buck, and I knew I told myself I had a decoy. I had two decoys actually, and I was working in, and I had just gotten a couple other bucks to come in to about 80 yards. Didn't happen, mm-hmm. but they they were looking at. They came into the decoy. Yeah, they well, were intrigued I, by it. They were intrigued, but yeah. they weren't like full on chasing it yet. And when I got into this area where we had been seen, that we had patterned this buck. Yeah. We knew he was li- he was hanging out in that area. He did have does, but he was not responsible responsive to a decoy. And I just relied on being at the right place at the right time. Yep. In addition to that, not losing my crap in the moment of truth because my battery and my rangefinder popped out right, and I found it about ten feet behind me. But that leads into the other thing is. I think I, sh- I shot my bow leading up to the season more this year than I have in the last four or five years. Even throughout the season, I was shooting my bow every day. Even the days we were going out, I would throw 15, 20 arrows downrange before I'd throw my stuff in the Jeep and take off or the truck, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, I was so, and, and then I didn't shoot very many at close distance either. Right. It was 60, 80, and 100 for me, 60, 80, and 100. But most of my arrows were shot at 60 to 80 yards, focusing on my two-thirds range is what, what was 60 yards. And this is something that we, we talk about in our, in our coaching structure. But 60 yards, my range finder's not working. A buck's sitting there kind of somewhat walking, slowly grazing up into my direction. And I was able to quickly think that once he hit to a boat, it looked like 60 yards, I drew my bow, and I let him eat an arrow. And it worked out for the better. Now it's not always going to work out judging an animal, especially that size at that, at that distance. distance. But so you've I got lucky. seen that distance so was, many times. When I when he stopped and he looked, and I looked at him quickly, I said, "I know that animal's within a couple yards either way of right. 60. Mm-hmm. and I know with my group size that, that he's going to he's going to eat this area. Yep. And he yep. did. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close this this segment out, and we're going to continue. Um, you know, with our with our current version of what we're doing here, information-wise, getting you guys up to speed with all things Alpha Bow Hunting No Limits Archery, and we're going to try to keep it to the point, even yep, though we see some squirrels every once yeah. in a while. 
But thanks for checking in. We're, we're going to have you to guys. do about 10 of these for gear because I'm the gearhead and I have a lot of new gear. I we use will definitely talk more about some other topics too. So we'll see you guys here on the next segment.